Bibles, go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. What a truth that song carried with it. Have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Boy, that'll touch your heart. Truly will. Let's go and stand. We'll uh, give reverence to the word of God as we read it here. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start with verse 24 and read to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not... As a scribe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that your spirit would meet with each and every one of us this morning. Lord, this passage of scripture um, means a lot to me. Um, and I pray that as you give me the ability to speak, that Lord, I would speak the words that you would have. Lord, to speak the words that you would speak if you were in my place. Heavenly Father, I ask that every heart and every ear would be open. And I ask that you'd keep the distractions to a minimum, Lord. I pray there would be no interference as far as your message and, uh, Lord, our hearts. Heavenly Father, I ask this all in your Son's name. Amen. You may be seated. I've been looking at this, this truth um, for several, several months. And uh, it, it's a simple, very simple message this morning. Um, our text verse is verse number 29. The Bible says he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus, of course, has just finished giving the story of two men. Two men who built very, very similar houses. Built them in very similar fashion. Really, I think the only difference between these two houses was the foundation. He describes each one. Each one labored. Each one put effort in. Each one put time in. And, and it came to the time when the storms hit. And, of course, he's likened this to our lives. And the storm of life hit, so to speak. And one fell, and great was the fall of it, and the other stood solid. Really, the only difference in the whole story is, is what they were built on. One was founded upon the rock. We know the rock is Jesus. The other one was built upon the sand, which is a, a picture of humanity. It was built upon the things of the world, and, of course, it fell. But it comes to the end and Jesus is looking out. And the Bible says in verse 28, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And it tells us why. Because he taught them as one who had authority. And that has touched my heart for years. And uh, the last couple of months I've been putting down on paper some things and there's more than we can cover this morning. There truly is. But I want to give you three principles. Three principles that we're going to find from really from verse 29. And I think if we put these into our hearts, I believe it will change our Christian lives. Brother Jesse, I'm going, to switch, I'm going to switch microphones on you. 
Number one this morning, I want to say this. He believed what he taught. He believed what he taught. If you write down, if you take notes, if you're that type of person, write down the word passion. He believed what he taught. In our world today, folks, we got a lot of voices that are teaching a lot of different things. But I want to tell you this this morning. We need to have a passion for what we believe. You see, Jesus did not just teach. He was a great, he was the great teacher. He had the ability, and folks, of course, he was the son of God, but he believed what he taught. He was passionate about it. And I look at many of our lives today, and I wonder, do we have a passion for Christ? Most of you, if not all of you, had to go to some school, and amen, throughout your lifetime. And you sat in some classes, and let's be honest, you knew that they didn't give a rip about what they were teaching. And you knew you learned very little because of the lack of passion in that teacher. But the teachers who truly impacted your lives were those that had a passion for what they taught. And Jesus believed what he taught. He just didn't pay it lip service. He just didn't say it because it had to be said. He believed it with every fiber of his being. And Christian, I look at our lives today and I see a lack of passion. You see, we as as Christians are to teach a lost and dying world of a Savior who loves them. We are to teach them that truth. Yet in many of our lives, we lack a passion that underlies that truth. And my friend, I'll tell you this this morning. It doesn't matter if you teach a good thing. If there's no heart behind it, very few, if any, will catch what you're trying to say. You say, well, well, I think the truth should be enough. The truth is enough. But behind the truth that Jesus taught, there was a heart that beat for those people. And that heart was evident, and that heart showed itself. And we'll talk more about that in several minutes. But what I want, to un- what I want you to understand first and foremost this morning is he believed what he taught. There was a passion behind it. When he spoke, his words were not conversational. They dripped with a heartfelt love that was evident to every person there. And I pray this morning that we get a dose. You see, he taught them as one that had authority. And everybody looked and they said, who is this man? Who is he? They were astonished. He was the son of a carpenter. The son of a peasant. Yet he stood up and he taught them with a passion that could not be denied. And friend, I'll tell you this. Christianity will die unless we get some passion into it. We have grown too cold and too heartless about what we believe. We say we believe it, but we can say it without it touching our heart and without it touching our eyes. You see, folks, when Jesus taught, the Bible said he'd often go up alone to pray and he would weep. The shortest verse in the Bible is found in the book of John. It says Jesus wept. Time and again we saw Jesus displaying his emotion. He did not sit there stiff and rigid. No, he believed in something and he believed what he taught. Christian, today let me beg you to have a passion. Have a passion for Christ. Have a passion for truth. Have a passion for the gospel. Have a passion for lost people. You see, we sit in the pews of our churches and our heart is never moved. We'll read the Word of God and we'll get on our knees and we'll say our prayers and we'll cry out to an Almighty God with our heart never moving an inch. And I see it, folks, in the lives of our Christians today. We have no passion. When a person slips into eternity, there ought to be something in our heart that says, by God's grace, they were born again. 
When a marriage is destroyed, there ought to be a part of us that dies and says, my God, what is happening to our nation? When a young person throws their life away, there ought to be something inside of us that hurts and aches and dies with them. There ought to be a passion there, yet I find so often in our lives, folks, we are unmoved. We are so content to say, this is where I'm comfortable, I'll not move from there. Folks, if you study the life of Christ, he worked with all types of people. He worked with every realm of humanity. And let me say this, a lot of them failed Christ. All of them did in one way or another. They were all sinners. But folks, there were some of them that denied him. There were some of them that turned their back on him. There were some of them that never returned. You don't think that hurt him? He gave his life for them. He was passionate about what he taught. He believed it. And Christian, today, would you realize, you see, we, we've become too uninvolved. I, I, I wouldn't want to get involved in that person's life because they may not, they may not do what I tell them to do. Uh-huh. And when they don't, it better hurt. But we don't like that. We don't like involving ourselves. Because of the pain it inflicts, my friend, when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, he died for every single sin. You don't think it hurt? It did. But he was passionate. He didn't back off. He didn't say, well, this Peter is going to deny me three times. I'll not invest in him. Hey, Thomas is going to doubt that I rose from the dead. I'll not invest in him. Aren't you thankful that he did? You read those men's lives, they touched the lives of thousands of men individually after they got right with God. But it took a man who had passion and taught them with a fervor. He believed in what he was saying. And I find in our lives, we, we say, oh, yeah, I believe in salvation. Yeah, I believe in, in, in heaven. I believe in hell. I believe in this. I believe in that. But there's no passion behind it. And folks, I'll tell you this right now. What has changed the world is passion. I promise you this, and don't misunderstand me, and I'm going somewhere with this. Truth is what has to be behind it. But folks, I will, it's happened time and time again. People who have passion will rush in, and they'll, they'll, they'll do anything and everything. Now, by God's grace, they got some head knowledge behind it, amen? We're going to talk about that. You'll see that in point number two. But understand, first and foremost, have some passion about what you believe. Have something behind what you're saying. Have something in your heart that means something to you. But many of us have just seared our heart. And we've said, well, people fail me. People have hurt me. People have turned their back on me. Yeah, they have and they will. But have a passion about what you believe. Folks, you know, I, I, I mean this. I've told plenty of folks when we've sat down and we've discussed some doctrine or some biblical concept or we've just discussed anything. I would rather have you say you believe something and be wrong and say you believe nothing and be right. I mean it. I, I would rather have you be so far off base you don't know which end is up, but at least care about it, than not to care at all. And our problem today is we don't care about much. I mean, the most argument we got into is who, who, who likes which football team the best. There's a lot bigger discussions than that, folks. And it's time that some of us start to believe what we're saying. We have said what we have said for so long, but there's nothing behind it. And today, I believe with all of my heart that there's got to be something put behind the words. A passion for Christ. Secondly, number one, I said he believed what he taught. He had passion. Secondly, he knew what he taught. 
and what he believed. I have so many references, and I wish we had the time. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I think is probably the greatest verse on that. Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he says, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But he said, I know whom I have believed. See, he had a knowledge. Now, passion is good, amen? And passion can change things, but unless there's a working head knowledge, we're in a heap of trouble. Isn't that right? <laughs> You look at the founding of our country. Folks, do you know that there have been these types of, of, of uprisings in nations before? And people would come into power and you know what they would do? The same as the guy that just left the departed throne. You read history, and I enjoy reading history, and I enjoy reading about civilizations. What is so comical is that many times there would be an uprise, there would be a rebellion, there would be some sort of, of, of war. And what would happen is this one class would take over the other class. This class had ruled for 50 years or 100 years or 200 years, and they had done it this way and it had been wrong. And all of a sudden the other people got in power, and you know what they did? The same stupid things that, the other, that they got mad about. And I see that happen, you know, and, and I'm so thankful, really I am, for our, our country, for the United States of America. When we fought against Great Britain and we gained our freedom, thank God we had some men who had some ideas on how to continue liberty, freedom from tyranny. And I'm very thankful that they knew, not only did they have a passion for freedom, they had a knowledge on how to continue it. Folks, we have enjoyed liberty probably longer than any known nation under the face of the planet. I mean, we have had 200, 200 years plus of liberty. I drove by yesterday. I was going home, done some things in town, and I drove by, and I looked at our church, and I looked at the, the gymnasium, and I looked at the lawn, and I looked at the sign. Folks, we have a great liberty to do and say as we please. We are so blessed. I'm so thankful that 200 plus 200 years ago that some men had some knowledge on how to apply what they had gained. And Christian today, don't, don't sit back and say, well, I have a passion for Christ. The Bible says, know how to give every man an answer. <laughs> know what you believe and know what you're saying. See, I can sit up here and I can say an awful lot. But folks, you know, some of you say, come into my office afterwards, you say, Pastor, explain this a little more. I had better be able to explain it a little more. Or I'm in a heap of trouble. You're going to have some questions, and people do have questions. Know what you believe. People are going to say, hey, Christian, hey, Baptist, why do you believe in baptism by immersion? You better know why you believe it. Well, well, well why do you believe salvation is only by grace through faith? Aren't there other ways to be born again? See, we have a passion. We, 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 we say something, but do we know what we believe? Without a knowledge behind it, you're in a heap of trouble. Don't just parrot something you've heard. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, you're just getting into it, man. Dive in. It's good. But learn what you believe. Know what you believe. Hey, young people, figure out what you believe. You know, it, <laughs> it is sad. It was one of the fellows and I were talking, and he was sharing statistics with me. He said that, I believe, was it Harvard? Where the whole fellow was at the... When the, the, a 22, 23-year-old graduates from Harvard, their IQ level is less than when they went in. Do you know what? That's, we're not making that up. That's a true statistic. Do you know what that tells me? That when they went in, they had no idea what they believed. And when they got out, they dead sure didn't know what they believed. See, folks, knowledge is a good thing, but it doesn't do anything for us unless it's aimed in a certain direction. 
And that's why as a Christian, I need to get my heart stirred for God. But then after I get my heart stirred for God, I need to put some knowledge that the Bible gives me and push it in the right direction. Because without that, I have anarchy, I have confusion, I have a mess. I need to know what I believe. in. Christian today, do you know what you believe? You say, well, I know what the pastor teaches. I didn't ask you that. The pastor teaches a lot of stuff. Do you know what you believe? Well, I heard this in Sunday school class. Good you heard it in Sunday school class, but do you know what you believe? See, that's, that's, a, that's a big issue. That's a big problem in Christianity. we got a lot of people saying a lot of different things, and we all claim the name of Christ. Do you know what you believe? And let me ask you this. Can you prove it? All right? Well, well I just feel. Folks, honestly, do you know how much <laughs> credibility I give feelings? Zero. Well, well, you don't understand. No, I do understand. I understand you're passionate about something, but you can't prove it any way, anyhow, any day. And if you can't prove it from the Word of God, I'm going to tell you this. You might as well just sweep it under the rug and say it doesn't matter. I'll be very honest with you. I've been passionate at times about fighting with my wife. I was dead wrong. Amen? Now, I was passionate. I stood up for my side. Amen? Men, you've got to stand for your gender, all right? We're going to get overrun if we don't. No, I stood up. Well, I, I thought I had a right. I thought I had something, and I was wrong. And when the truth came to bear on it, I said, well, I need to re-guide my uh, uh, passion. <laughs> I need to kind of refocus that, amen? Understand, you, oh, it's not important. It is important. That's why you have to have truth with your passion. That's why you have truth with your zeal. Zeal has great ability, but without the truth, without the knowledge, zeal is going to end up being a big, hairy mess. Folks, how many times have we rushed into something without thinking? And we were gung-ho, and about two weeks into it, we said, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> Your zeal runs out unless it has something substantial to continue it. It does. I mean, I, 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 love, I love marriage counseling. I love sitting down with people before they get married. I ask them, why are you getting married? Because we love each other. Oh, you're so stupid. Because <laughs> let me be honest with you, that isn't going to keep you married. Do you, do you know that? Young people, I'm bursting every bubble you ever got from Hollywood. Oh, they lived happily ever after. I wish, I, wish, I wish those little Disney movies would show about two weeks after Cinderella got up. Amen? <laughs> Good old Prince Charming, whoever he is, is out hunting in the field, and she's hacked off because he's not there to eat. I mean, I, let's be honest. I, and, and, oh, you don't understand. We really love each other. And they do. They say that. And it's hard for me not to laugh. I've been married 11 years, and I love my wife like no other human being. But let me be honest. She can make me so mad. She knows how to just get my goat. I know how to get hers. It works both ways. Let me tell you this. The love isn't enough. You say, oh, we're passionate about one another. Good. Oh, it's, it's, it's real this time. <laughs> and you hear these things and you just, oh. And, and you can't burst their bubble because they're, I mean, they're so in love and they think this is. But let me be honest too. Folks, you and I both know you better have something a whole lot bigger than just a little word called love. Amen? You don't know what love is until you have to take care of somebody who can't take care of themselves. You don't know what love is until you have to go through a fight and apologize and make things right. You don't know what that means. See, but, but we've said, oh, that, that's all that we need. No, it's not. You need truth behind it. You need some head knowledge. You need some working knowledge on how to make that work and to continue and to succeed. Folks, get a hold of this. You say, well, Christianity, I mean, we, we've got to be passionate for Christ. Yes, you do, but you've got to know what the book says. You've got to know it. 
Because without that knowledge, you're going to fail. Without that knowledge, you're going to make a fool of yourself. Without that knowledge, we're going to have divisions among us. You see, Jesus Christ, he knew what he taught and what he believed. He had a working knowledge of it. The first word I said to remember was passion. The second is knowledge. Christian, let me say this. Study the Bible. You say, it's confusing. I like science. I do. I like physics, which is a high school, elective, college level type of science. Read the book. <laughs> Go today and get yourself a physics book. If you'd like one, I can get you one from our school. It will confuse you. It doesn't change it. It's still truth. It's based on fact. It's based on science. It's very, very enjoyable if you like it. If you want to learn it, you will. But it's confusing. It will take time. And people say, well, I can't get the Bible. Try. All right? Try. Spend some time in God's Word. You'd be amazed at what God will tell you. Man, I've had people, and I've dared them. I've said, read your Bible for two weeks. Come back and talk to me. But, 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 but. I said, don't bother me. Just go do it for two weeks. And they'll come back, and they'll say, you know what? God gave me something. And I'll ask them, did you understand every word? Well, well no. <laughs> but God just gave you something. See, start, get into it, folks. Let's stop being afraid of the book and dive into the book. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're like those little kids that are afraid of the water. You know, I don't know how to swim. Throw them in, amen? <laughs> I, don't do that. Good night. I'm going to get nasty phone calls from all sorts of folks. But, folks, we, 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 have, we have dabbled at the edge of the water so long, spiritually speaking, and said, well, it just looks so hard. It looks so confusing. Get in. You'd be amazed at what the Holy Spirit of God in your heart can show you. Folks, just so you understand, hey, people, you're not supposed to understand the Bible. If you're not born again, you have no ability to understand the Word. That's what the Bible teaches. It says an unspiritual man, an ungodly man, an unsaved man won't understand it. He'll look at the Word of God and say, that's a bunch of foolishness, that's a bunch of nonsense. But a man who is born again, he has this built-in helper who's called the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus himself said, will guide you into all truth. Just so you understand, that book is truth. He's not going to take some wacky doctrines that aren't in the Bible and teach you those. He's going to show you things that come directly from that book on how to live. And you're going to say, boy, I never saw that there before. That's because the Holy Spirit said you didn't need it. But you can't get it if you don't read it. And I'll go beyond this, folks. Don't just read your Bible. Study your Bible. All right? The Bible is great to be read like a novel, but you're not going to get much. We are commanded by God to meditate on His book. Psalm 1, 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, the Bible, doth he meditate day and night. We're not commanded to just read it. We're commanded to study it. Folks, get into the book. It has, got, it has got stuff that is so good. I mean, it has stuff that'll teach you how to be a good husband. It'll teach you, ladies, how to be a good wife. Kids, it'll teach you how to be appropriate children. They exist, amen? I mean, it'll teach you teenagers how to serve God. It'll teach us how to have a good, fundamental, Bible-believing, solid church. It'll teach us how to have the right form of government. It'll teach us in every area that we allow it to. But you've got to study it. Folks, do you know what the Bible tells us how to educate our children? You know that? The Bible tells us how to treat one another as human beings. 
the Bible tells us, we've been looking at this in 1 Peter chapter 2, on how to handle authority in our life. You see, we have to know what it says. We have to get into the Word. We need to study it. I said number one, he believed what he taught. He had a passion. Number two, he knew what he taught, and he knew what he believed. He had a knowledge. Thirdly, and these all are, they, they have to hinge on one another. But he lived what he taught and what he believed. I read a statement this week and it really hit home. It said the Christian is a person who makes it easy for others to believe in God. I thought, man. See, Jesus, thirdly, third word is he had credibility. He had credibility. When Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, he had credibility because he did. When he said, love thy neighbor as thyself, he had credibility because he did. You see, our problem is many of us have destroyed our credibility or are bent on destroying our credibility. We say, well, you need to believe in God. And the other person looks at us and says, I know where you were on Friday night. I was across the bar from you. Don't tell me about Christ. See, Jesus had a credibility. He lived what he taught. And he lived what he believed. And this is so important because, folks, we're trying to teach a lost and dying world about Christ when we don't live that way. Nobody wants to hear it. Does anybody like being taught by a hypocrite? I, I don't. I don't like somebody who says, you don't do this, but I will. Because I look at that and say, buddy, why are you even opening your mouth then? I don't need to hear. And I, don't misunderstand me, folks. I know we all struggle with sin, and I know we all fail, but we ought not to dive in and enjoy it. For real. I mean, we, well, you know, we're going to sin anyway. Let's have fun while we're doing it. Oh, please. I mean, come on. Let, let's, let's come back to reality. You see, folks, Jesus knew what he believed, but Jesus lived it. I don't want to be a Bible scholar who doesn't know what he believes. or what he, I don't want to be a Bible scholar who doesn't live what he believes. And I'm afraid that's what we got a lot of today. We got a lot of people who say, well, you shouldn't do that while doing it themselves. And we say, well, we, we, we do it in the privacy of our home. Oh, come on. Folks, people aren't stupid. People know when you don't believe it. People know when you don't know it. People know when you don't live it. And we've got to come to a place in our lives where we live what we teach and what we believe. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, taught them as one who had authority. Because when they looked at him, you know what they saw? The perfect embodiment of what he taught. They said, how can he tell us to love our neighbor? How can he tell us that? He doesn't know who my neighbor is. Yet they saw him as he was lied about by his very own neighbors. Well, well, well you don't understand. No, Jesus, he did understand. He lived it. And when he said something, it had a credibility behind it. And Christian, today, I'm going to ask you, do you have a credibility behind what you're saying you believe? Well, I believe in the Lord. Is it credible? If somebody were to dissect your life, would they look at you and say, yes, you do? Let me hear what you have to say. Well, I, I believe, I believe that, that, that marriage is between one man and one woman. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you have credibility behind that? Hey, let me say this to you married couples. 
Folks, your marriage is going to be difficult. Your marriage is going to have trials. Your marriage is going to have days when it's easier to walk away, but you stay married to the person you're married to to give you credibility. You say they're hard to live with. Folks, the Bible teaches about that. And we need to understand. If you, and I'm not harping on anybody who's been divorced right now. What I'm trying to tell you is if you're married to, a, to your mate, stay with them. You say, but they're tough to deal with. I know they're tough to deal with. They're just like you. All right? Stick it out. You find a way to make it. I, it it's always funny, folks. Everybody has a reason why. Everybody does. But Christian, today, we need to live what we say we believe. Well, I believe this, then live it. Then live it. If you don't live it, then don't even bother to talk about it. Because I'll be very honest with you, you're wasting your breath. Live it. Have, have a credibility behind it. I was reading in a, in a, in a book of biographies, and I, I pulled out one by the, a man by the name of James. He was the son of Zebedee, a follower, a disciple of Christ. James and John. James was a very early martyr in Christianity. James was preaching the gospel very early in the book of Acts. And he was taken prisoner by Herod. The history tells us, the Bible doesn't, but history tells us that he was betrayed by, by one of those who was his follower. They lied about him. They... they, they made some false accusations. As James was brought in and was brought in to be accused for his crimes, so-called crimes, the man who had accused him, of course, had to remake the accusation in front of the, in front of the, the, the lawyers in the, in, the, in the trial. He did so. But he watched as James stood there with joy and kindness. And history tells us that James was condemned to death but while he was being led away, the man who had falsely accused him fell down on his knees and said, I have betrayed an innocent man today. He said, would you forgive me? And James stopped and he looked at the man and he said, son, he said, Heavenly Father forgave me. He said, I forgive you. And that young man looked at him and said, there will not be one man who dies today. There will be two. You'll not die alone. And the man who had betrayed James to death willingly sacrificed his life on the same <laughs> instrument of death that James did. See, he lived what he taught. He had been betrayed by a friend to die. And what did he do? He said, I forgive. <laughs> I forgive. Don't you know, he, he was going to die, he forgave, because that's what Christ did for him. That's what he had taught his whole life. He believed it. Another story is of James the Less. He was the brother or cousin of Jesus. We're not sure what the scripture is, but he was a relative of Christ. James pastored the church in Jerusalem, we believe, for about 30 years. Christianity was just exploding across the world. I mean, it was a force that could not be reckoned with. Leaders, kings, rulers were terrified of Christianity because they claimed to follow the king of kings. And that intimidated a lot of these lesser men. James was, history again tells us that he was taken to the top of the church in Jerusalem. 
and the, 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 the Pharisees and, and the Herodians and those that were anti-Christian pushed him out to the edge and said, James, deny Christ or we will throw you off. James was also called James the Just because he was such a righteous, godly man. And he was pushed out there and they said, if you don't, we'll kill you, James. Deny Christ. And the book said that James stood on the edge of the building and cried out that Christ is the Son of the living God. And he will one day return for those that are his. And one of the Pharisees in a rage ran out and pushed him off the edge of the building. James fell to the earth, but miraculously just his legs were broken. He was still alive. They the mob began to encircle him and to surround him. And James began to pray. And as James began to pray, some of the men heard him and their hearts were smitten immediately. And one of them cried out, Don't James the just is praying for you. And very shortly a man came with a stick and, and, and bludgeoned his head and he died instantly. But his story touched the hearts of thousands in that city. It didn't stop the spread of Christianity. It only exploded it. Why? A man believed. A man knew. And a man lived it. A man lived it. See, folks, that's, that's how you give credibility to your message. Nobody wants to hear somebody who's rich talk about being poor. They want to hear somebody who's been in their shoes, who's walked a mile. And my friend, when we refuse to do that, we refuse to add credibility to our message. If you give me a moment, I want to share one more illustration with you as we close. Several hundred years later, there was a man by the name of John Huss in, in, in now the region that is Czechoslovakia. It was long before that time. John Huss was a very avid believer in the scriptures. Very avid. Let's shut that cell phone off if we can, folks. Very avid believer in the scriptures. He was ridiculed and mocked for what he believed. He was falsely imprisoned. They had told John Huss that if you come, we want to have a council where we will discuss what the scriptures say. When he came there, he found out they had lied and they grabbed him and they threw him into prison for 19 months. And jail back then was not three hots and a cot, amen? I mean, you didn't have a couple nice meals and a TV and, and a nice little place. You got the snot kicked out of you day in, day out. You got very little to eat. 19 months he spent in a prison. He was brought out and he was charged with blasphemy, with treason, several other crimes. None of them could fit, but they threw them at him. He was taken and thrown in prison for a short period of time more, and they hoped that he would recant. They hoped to break his will. They brought him out one more time and condemned him to death once again. He was taken to the stake they took a chain and chained his neck and, uh, to the stake. They piled up the sticks and, and, and the logs almost to his neck. Shortly before they lit the fire, they gave him one more chance to recant. They said, 
John, why, why don't you just, come on, stop playing this game. This is foolish, John. Stop it. And John Huss proclaimed, he says, what I have taught with my lips, he said, I now seal with my blood. And they lit that pier and it began to burn. And as it began to burn, he lifted up his voice and he sang a hymn as this life left him. And folks, we look at all those stories and we say, boy, those are tough ones, amen? I mean, that's rough. I never hope I have to deal with that. But let me tell you this, in every one of those situations, it did not dampen the spirit of Christianity. It did not slow the growth of Christianity down one single bit. In fact, after each instant, it exploded in those regions because people looked at what those men had done and they said they believe, they, they, they know, and they live it. How can I reject something that will drive a man not only to live for it, but also to die for it? You see, Jesus taught them as one having authority. Who was he? Really, by earthly standards, he wasn't much. He was a peasant. Jesus himself said, I don't have anywhere to lay my head at night. He said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests. I don't have anywhere. Nothing. But he taught them as one who had authority. Why? Because he believed what he taught. He had a passion about it. He wasn't afraid to cry out and spare not. He wasn't afraid to lift his voice and to say, this is what I believe. He had a knowledge. He knew what he believed. When they came to question him, and all the Pharisees did time and time again. But you know, the great thing is about Christ is there came a time after Jesus had answered every question and rebuked them so harshly and put them in their place time and again that the Bible says they durst ask him no questions. They just said, we can't trick the guy. We're done. He's made us look like fools, scores of time, fooey. And they quit because he knew what he believed. And folks, lastly, he lived it. He lived it. He had a passion. He had a knowledge. And praise the Lord, he had a credibility. He taught them as one who had authority. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My friend, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, please could I recommend to you the Savior. He is the only answer that eternity has. He was given by God so that we could live. And if you're here this morning and you do not know for sure that heaven's your home, would you please, during the invitation, Come down and get my attention. I promise I'll not embarrass you, but we want so badly to show you from the Word of God how you can be born again. Christian, let me ask you this. Do you have a passion today that burns in your heart for Christ? Do you have a knowledge? Are you getting into the book? Are you reading the written Word of God? And lastly, do you have a credibility that when you share your message with others, the world looks at you and says, I believe that man. I believe that woman. There's something about him that's different. There's something about him I just can't deny. I may not agree with it. I may not like it, but I can't deny it. All my friends today, he taught them as one who had authority. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something in your heart, you come down to the altar.
about it, friend? Is there something in your heart that burns for the Savior? Is there a part of you that just longs to share the gospel with the world? Christian, today, I think that God's people need to teach in the same method that Christ did. I really do. I, I don't believe in an arrogant manner. Jesus was never arrogant. He just cut right to the heart. He just said what needed to be said. And folks, I believe that we need to give the message of Christ as one who has authority. We have that authority in Christ Jesus. We have that authority in the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside us. But we have ceased to teach as one who has that authority. We've taught as one who questions ourselves. And my friend, I'll tell you this. You don't get anything from somebody who doesn't believe what they say they believe. You get nothing. And that's not what Christ did. He said, this is the way it is. He believed what he taught. He knew what he taught. And he lived what he taught. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer, folks. Thank you for being in the service this morning. Come on back tonight, 7 o'clock. Brother Tim, can you dismiss us?